Hey, Kansas City, this is Stephen St. John with uh, another episode of Hot Mike with SSJ. Unfortunately, um, it's uh, it's going to be a, a sad uh, episode, but uh, it could also be um, uplifting as well and hopefully um, inspirational. Um, if you remember a few months ago, I had uh, my friends Scott and Jamie Smith uh, on uh, on the podcast here in the studio to talk about Scott's battle with ALS. And as you know, uh, I've been on the advisory board for uh, the ALS Association Mid-America chapter for uh, around a decade or so because uh, my uncle Richie Ontiveros battled uh, ALS for, for seven years. Um, he was a Kansas City, Kansas police officer, and uh, we found out he had ALS um, when I was... Uh, when I was 13 years old and um, it was uh, just an, an awful uh, an awful thing for for all of my family to go to obviously my uncle battled it so valiantly but along with my grandparents Danny and Augie Ontiveros and uh, and my mom uh, Julie St. John Ontiveros uh, all combined to, to, to caretake along with the wonderful people from hospice and then uh, the, the Mid-American chapter was called the ALS Association Keith Worthington chapter. And they did so much for us to, to help us, uh, help my uncle as much as we could during his battle. Uh, but it was then that I decided if I could ever give back and try to help people that were in that same situation, then that's what I was going to do. And, and thankfully, I, um, I arrived to a point in my life where I could help uh, the ALS Association uh, and, and the local chapter, the Mid-America chapter, and uh, I've, I've hosted the uh, Joe McGuff uh, Golf Classic, and I've hosted the, the Walk to Defeat ALS and, and the Gala for several years now, and I try to do as much as I can to, to try and help raise money and raise awareness in the battle against ALS. And um, along, along that journey, I'm lucky enough to meet wonderful people like Scott and, and Jamie Smith uh, and get to know them and their families. Uh, Scott, a couple of years ago, was the honoree at, at, at the Joe McGuff ALS Golf Classic, and he gave a, a just a, a impassioned, beautiful speech along with his wife about his battle and um, showed such courage. Um, and he was such a warrior battling ALS. Um, and they were such a, a great example and, and still are a great example of love and courage and, and how they, they battled this together because ALS is not just an individual disease. It's a, it's a family disease. Everyone has to battle it together and it affects everybody. And, you know, watching Jamie and, and you know, they're, they're beautiful kids and knowing how this is going to affect them for so many years, it's heartbreaking. And unfortunately, just a few days ago, uh, Scott passed away. And, um, you know, our heart goes out to Jamie and, and everyone in the entire Smith family. Um, but what we wanted to do is we wanted to, uh, to, to post that podcast again uh, on YouTube here. And, and then, you know, everywhere uh, you can download uh, Hot Mike with SSJ. Because the purpose of Scott and Jamie coming in studio that day was to, to tell their story and to raise awareness and to have more people understand exactly what ALS is, um, what, what, what the battle entails for people that have, have, have been given the, the horrible diagnosis of having ALS and, and how, how even though we've made strides, how far we are from getting where we want to, and that's ultimately defeating this this terrible disease. And there's been so many great influential people like Tom Watson and like George Brett in this city that have been touched by ALS, whether it's Tom Watson and his caddy losing uh, his battle ALS and George Brett's uh, good friend Keith Worthington, um, which has led Tom and George uh, to, to be so committed with their time and their money and their efforts, and they've not let up, neither will I or uh, neither will any of the great people of the ALS Association mid America chapter. Um, and so I, I would encourage you to go to the website that Scott and Jamie have, uh, Flex on ALS. And that was the movement that Scott started. He was a, he was a personal trainer, 
and um, he encouraged people to, to flex on social media and, and put the hashtag flex on ALS. And he got a lot of local celebrities and different people to, to do that, to try to raise awareness and try to raise money to battle ALS. You remember the story that he told how he visited the, the Kansas basketball locker room and met with Bill Self and actually addressed the team. And after, after that happened, they didn't lose another game on their way to a national championship last year. And so uh, go to flexonls.com. And Scott uh, wrote a blog that detailed his, his struggles and uh, detailed his battle with ALS. And I think it's very important to read his words because those words will not go away and his memory will not go away. And there's also a place where you can make donations to the family. I think that's very important because um, the, the courage that Scott showed uh, battling ALS, I think is very important for all of us to remember because there's so many people that are still out there battling this dreaded disease and the fight's not over. And uh, we're gonna continue that fight in Scott's name. And we're going to be there for Jamie and, and help the family and do whatever we can to continue this fight until someday, some way, uh, we will defeat ALS, hopefully sooner than later. And so um, rest in peace, Scott, Jamie, we're thinking of you. Uh, you're in our thoughts and prayers, you and the entire family. And uh, we'd like everyone to watch this podcast that I did a few months ago with Scott and Jamie and learn more about their story uh, because uh, he will not be forgotten and um, we pray that uh, his family can find peace in this uh, very uh, tragic time. And so here is uh, the podcast I did a few months ago with Scott and, uh, and Jamie Smith. Scott, rest in peace. We get a chance to uh, have an honoree and honor someone that is battling ALS at each golf tournament. And two golf tournaments ago, our honoree was Scott Smith. And that's when we first all met. And you were there, and it was—it's uh, always a great day. And I'm sure that you know, you're like me. I mean, like that's—it never gets told. That's George Brett. That's Tom Watson. Why am I here? <laughs> you know, they're—they're they're awesome. And and George and Tom are great people. And and as many people know, George, his uh, one of his best friends, Keith Worthington, uh, battled ALS, and then Tom Watson's caddy battled ALS, and Joe McGuff a former editor of the Kansas City Star and one of uh, the most influential sports figures in Kansas City history, battled ALS. And so uh, it's really had a huge impact uh, in the sports uh, landscape of Kansas City. And so many big names come together to make this event possible and to raise money for awareness and uh, hopefully to someday uh, defeat ALS and find a cure. And that's what we all want. And so uh, Matt Scott... And uh, you guys were up there at the podium and gave such a wonderful speech and made people cry. You know how that is, and and, and talked about uh, you know so many different things. And so first of all, Jamie, thank you for for being here, and uh, of course Scott, thank you for being here. I'm so glad to have you guys here, and I know that uh, um, it's not easy to to come into the studio and everything else, but I'm glad you did because I think that makes it even more powerful. And so uh, and we got everything figured out, and we we found out. That when it comes to the technical aspect, I'm worthless. When it, any any questions, I tried to fix something on Scott's wheelchair and I nearly broke it. And so Scott gave me the look uh, like, "Get away from my chair, please." And so now I'm on this side of the table. But uh, let's start, with Jamie. How are you today? Um, I'm I'm okay. Yeah? I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> We're here, like yeah, you said. Right. So right, we both tried to work on this thing together, and our future maybe is not in fixing things. Yes, together. I That's... mean, I always thought I was a really patient person, right. but when it comes to technology and all of this stuff, the wheelchair, I have very little patience. So, and Scott also has very little patience. So. And, and Scott's, Scott's forty years old, uh, and I, I, I'm looking back at the bio a little bit about him: uh, husband, son, brother, friend business owner, grew up in Lawrence, Kansas uh, with his parents, a younger brother, was a terrific athlete and student, and we're going to get more into, into, into who Scott is. But real quick, before we start this whole process, if you're watching on YouTube, you could see you've got this monitor, you've got all this technology that I, I absolutely do not understand, and you're trying to fill me in just a little bit uh, about, so, so, and maybe you can explain this exactly what, what this is and this speech device that will allow uh, Scott to communicate with us and be on this podcast. What, 
What, what, what do we have here? Well, it's called an eye gaze device. So um, he uses his eyes to type out words, and then it will speak for him because he has Bulbar ALS, which means it affected his speech first, and it makes him hard to understand. Um, thanks to Steve Gleason, the Saints NFL player, we were able to get this technology and get help getting his voice uh, recorded as well. Um, unfortunately, you won't be able to hear it today, but... Um, Steve Gleason has played a huge part in getting technology for people with ALS to live a normal life and to communicate with others. So this device has been a lifesaver for us and for Scott to be able to talk to people. Oh, yeah, and I can't like, you know, this was in the uh, in the in the late 80s and early 90s when my uncle battled ALS. We, we didn't have access to any of these things. And I think, boy. What if we could have had something just would, would it would have made it easier to communicate just a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and so I mean Steve Gleason's like a superhero, yeah. right? What, what a what a what a man, right? And so and that's I just asked, I asked Scott. I said, do you did you have a choice in the voice? Like could you have <laughs> could you have picked uh, you know James Earl Jones or Gary Lezak? That would have been great. <laughs> Gary you know, Lezak, given a forecast, but so that and so then at some point. He'll have his own voice here. Yeah. But as you said, he's an Apple guy. Right. And I get criticized by Apple guys. And so I hope you don't look down on me because I'm an Android guy and I feel like I'm behind the times. But but so but then it'll be his own voice. Right. And that's, I mean, really exciting because it's kind of cruel to take away your voice and for him and for everyone that loves him. So to be able to just hear like his voice is just kind of an amazing thing. So we're excited to eventually get that uploaded on there. Okay, so let, let's let's uh, bring Scott into the uh, into the conversation now, and we're just gonna kind of just give people the background. And I'm going to assume that most people that are listening uh, don't have a lot of experience with ALS and don't know much about it. And so that's I think it's important sometimes to give people uh, the, the facts and, and, and to share experiences. So maybe people can understand why it's so important to raise awareness and raise money and help in this battle. And so, uh, let's just start, Scott, tell me about you and your family and tell me a little bit about who, who is Scott Smith? I grew up in Lawrence, pretty normal childhood, one younger brother. I was kind of a jack of all trades, choir, newspaper, debate, football, wrestling, and track. I loved football the most, but I was very undersized. My senior year, I hit the weights harder than my peers and earned a scholarship in both wrestling and football to Truman State University. I graduated with honors in kinesiology. After college, I moved to St. Louis to pursue a different dream. I started a band that got signed to a record label. We toured for three years till we burned out living that lifestyle. I moved to Kansas City next where I had a wider network. I got back to my workout roots and started a personal training business. Body Smith Personal Training. It's just off the plaza, near Westport. We now have six rock star trainers, all with full schedules. I met my wife Jamie through a mutual friend. We've been married near five years. We have two daughters, Iris, who is three, and Hope, who just turned one. In fact, Jamie was still pregnant with Hope when we found out that I had ALS. We had the perfect life till that day. And so, I mean, I mean, wow. Uh, uh, you were a, an athlete that was great in multiple sports and having wrestled in high school at a very low level i get a wrestlers that's their studs they're, they're nothing against football but wrestlers football players used to come and wrestle and talk and complain about how hard wrestling was uh and then and then my son is in a band uh and he he, he travels around and he's a musician and you're a rock star and so you meet this guy i mean so what 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 what, what caught try most i mean you got you got athlete you got rock star you got you just i think checked all the boxes of what was i mean the perfect the, guy right, right? what like, was the biggest thing here was i mean well i'll be honest the biggest thing was my girlfriend she showed me a picture of him and uh-huh. it was a shirtless picture oh, and whoa, I that's was aggressive like, right off the bat yeah, well, yeah i was like uh yes um but he's probably an asshole right hey. like i mean no one this we're cussing i love this <laughs> no welcome one... to hot mic <laughs> <laughs> no one this good looking is a nice guy right and i was like whatever i mean he'll be fun to date so i mean but the first date i was like this guy is different right i, I got i just you just kind of just threw it out there 
So did 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 Scott just have have friends walking around with shirtless pictures of him <laughs> just to show in case she you know maybe hey maybe she's interested yeah. was this was this this is happenstance was this a, uh, was this planned I mean that would be kind of funny if it was <laughs> but um, <laughs> he didn't mention one of his other things that he did he was a model so okay. he had some modeling pictures that she. I mean, I guess I never asked why she had them on her phone. But. Yeah, that just, that just you, you just kind of put it out there, like, "Hey, I talked to her friend, yet she had a shirtless picture of Scott." Like, all right, okay yeah. then. I think she was just really wanting me to say yes to meeting him, so she put his uh, his assets out there first. Oh, but so. literally, so are we talking about rock star hair at some point? Oh, when you, was it? You know, he. I mean, I don't. You never had super long hair, right? I mean, but he had. More hair than what he does now. Well, so. well, <laughs> welcome to, to the club there. Uh, and so th- that's that's so you after you meet him. Uh, so how long is it before like you, you fall for him? You fall in love? Like, this uh, is it. He got me. Um, I mean, not long. Right. I think I always tell people I'll never forget just the first time I met him, looking in his eyes, and I was like, "This is a good, nice guy." I mean, he just. I mean, we just connected. Did he have a shirt on? He did. Oh. He he had a shirt okay, on. Like sure. so. Okay, I mean, right. I had to look at his eyes, right. right? So, I mean, and he just treated me like no one's ever treated me that way before. He was so good to me. So it was almost immediate, I would say. And so then, how? So then, how quickly did you get married after you started dating? Um, he engaged her. He proposed to me eleven months later, okay. and then we got married. Yeah, about. A year later. Okay, and so, so and then uh, so like uh, like Scott mentioned, uh, you had two daughters, Iris, mm-hmm. who's now three, mm-hmm. and so then how long before after you get married before Iris? A year. Along? So a year, mm-hmm. and then you got Iris, and then uh, and then Scott, you mentioned that Jamie was still pregnant with Hope when you found out that you had ALS, and so now take me back, Scott, to your first symptoms and how you first realized that that something was wrong. My first symptom reared its ugly head during a fitness consultation with a prospective new client. This was after the shelter in place, so we were all wearing masks. I was stuttering and tripping over words periodically. I apologized and blamed it on the mask. I continued to notice this slurred speech while at work, particularly at the end of a long day. I honestly thought that wearing and talking into a mask all day was changing the way my mouth was working, you're constantly getting the mask in your mouth, etc. I even googled this supposed new phenomenon that I assumed others were having, nothing. When a client finally took notice and mentioned it, my heart sunk. She thought I was either drunk or had had a stroke. Something was definitely going on. The unusual started to become commonplace. I lost the ability to sing. I was really frustrated by this as I love to sing and play guitar for my daughter. Every muscle in my upper body started twitching, constantly. I blamed it on lifting weights and too much caffeine. I even noticed that I was having difficulty swallowing liquids if I drank too quickly. But I just blamed that away as well, because I'm always in such a hurry. 2 a.m., one night, I woke up, compelled to finally Google these strange new symptoms. And down the dark path I went. Like ticking off every line on a checklist, I soon found myself staring at a page about ALS. And so, Jamie, while while he's experiencing these symptoms, is he telling you about this? Are you noticing things? Are you uh, are, are you starting to ask questions like he is, or is he keeping this to himself and trying to hide this? What, what, what's your role during this stage of time? It was interesting. I mean, he would briefly mention it, um, but I. Scott can be a little dramatic sometimes, so I just was like, well. He's just making a big deal out of nothing, you know, because I didn't pick up on his speech at all um, until we had a date night and we had had like one or two drinks. And after two drinks, he sounded wasted. And I was like, that is weird. And he kept insisting, I'm fine. I'm fine. I was like, but you don't sound fine. So then I was like, well, that's kind of weird. And then um, the twitching started and he he showed it to me and. Then I was like, well, that's that's also weird. So uh, then I jumped on the Google train and I know which is terrible. You start to Google things like, you know. Right. And we kind of took turns telling each other like, oh, it's ALS. Oh, no, it's not ALS. It couldn't be ALS. And so um, 
and that was a good month of going back and forth. And then there was a point where I was like, I think, I think this is what it is. So, but but did you ha- at that point? Did you have any experience did you, with ALS? Did you know anyone that had ALS? Did you have any? No, I mean, you know, the ice bucket challenge, and right. you heard about it, but you didn't. I mean, most people didn't take the time to learn about it. At least I didn't, um, and I didn't know anyone that had it, and I don't think Scott did either. And, and see, and that's why uh, I think this podcast is so important because, as you just illustrated, awareness is so important because yes, we saw the ice bucket challenge. We hear about the events that I am and we, and we hear ALS, we hear Lou Gehrig's disease with Lou Gehrig's day in major league baseball, but not many people take the time to delve into it and, and fully understand what it is right. and how it affects people. And so I'm hoping that's one of the things that this will, that we'll be able to accomplish here through this, through this podcast. Okay. So uh, g- getting back to you now, uh, Scott, uh, how long did it take for you to actually get the diagnosis that you had ALS. I met with my primary care doc who, on top of a CT scan, ran every lab under the sun, clean, no thyroid issue, no brain tumor, no stroke. At the time, I thought these were all good things. Next step was an appointment with a neurologist but, and this is a big but, I had to wait four months to get in. A third of a year dealing with this anxiety? It was unfathomable. Unwilling to sit around and wait, I procured the services of a chiropractor to take a literal crack at my growing list of issues. And that's when things got weird. When she got to the part of the evaluation where she tested my reflexes, my left leg nearly jerked us both off the table. This same brisk response did not occur on my right side. Now, I'm no medical doctor, but I knew that wasn't good. Immediately afterwards, in the parking lot, I consulted Dr. Google once again to self-diagnose. Hyperflexia, especially if only on one side, is a clear-cut sign of upper motor neuron disease. And in that category of neurological horror you will find, drumroll please, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. ALS I had my first ever panic attack right then and there and shortly after, at my wife's urging, found myself in the ER that night. From there, things moved quickly, for which I'm grateful because that is quite uncommon. I was in a neurologist's office the next day. She suspected ALS and referred me to a neuromuscular specialist. I remember still being hopeful, somehow, that I had something else before that final specialist visit. After all, I was getting stronger in the gym. People with ALS can't even walk or lift their arms, I recalled from the forums. After a final two-day wait, my wife and I finally set out for the ALS clinic at KU to get an answer once and for all. Jamie wasn't in denial at this point. She knew, but she played along anyway and let me hold on to the hope that remained. I honestly thought it was going to be one of the best days of my life. The day I found out, I'm not going to die. The doctor gave me a physical exam first. I tried small talk to get a sense of how the tests were going. He wasn't having that. He instructed me to let him finish. I probably should have known then. Then he administered an EMG. This is the holy grail for testing for lower motor neuron disease. It's the combination of both upper and lower motor neuron disease that leads to an official ALS diagnosis. Jamie and I sat together while he finished his reporting. I was watching his body language, looking for clues. He slowly turned to us, pulled his chair in close and spoke. I know this is hard. And that's all I heard before blacking out. And so a couple of things there. Um, the, the You talk about uh, finding out that you're going to have a four-month wait of not knowing and this anxiety, I, I just, I, I can't imagine that. And I remember, and again, I was, I, was a, I was a young kid, but I do remember with my uncle, uh, I mentioned he was a police officer. He was hurt on the job. He was chasing someone, and he was not the best runner. He was built like me, so there was no, you know, I mean, it was, it was a, <laughs> he's running down, not fast. <laughs> and so he's, he climbs a fence to try to chase, and he falls back and landed on his, on his, on his, on his ass, you know, on his spine. And it, he was hurt. You know, we just, and he was off work for a day or two and thinking he just had a bruised spine and it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And he goes to this doctor and he goes to that doctor and nobody had any idea. And it kept getting worse and worse to where then he had a hard time walking. And then we're thinking, well, he had to have fractured something or he, there's gotta be some, some spinal days, something. And for it, it seemed like, and I can't, I, I want to say maybe it was a couple of months but it seemed like an eternity because all we wanted and all he wanted was for someone to say, Hey, this is what's wrong. And this is how we're going to fix it. And so I can't imagine. So when you find out 
oh, we'll get you in, but it's going to be four months. How do you, how do you take that? I mean, we just didn't accept it, and and it makes me feel. We were very lucky. I'm I work in the healthcare field, so I kind of know how things work. And tell people what you do, so they don't. Oh, say. I'm a respiratory therapist. Okay. I work at Children's Mercy. I've been there for twelve years, and um, so I. That's why I told him to go to the ER. I was like, we have got to go around this. We have got to get in sooner. And and luckily it worked. Um, but a lot of people don't have that privilege, and it is very common, like your uncle's story to take forever to get a diagnosis. And a lot of times, by the time they get a diagnosis, ALS moves so fast that they don't even have time to process it before they pass away. So um, for a lot of reasons, we were lucky to get diagnosed that early. So, And and so uh, Scott mentions that's all he heard before blacking out. And then my next question was, what was the reaction at that point, you said you didn't know much about ALS, mm-hmm. and Scott wanted you to answer this question, so then you, you get the diagnosis. Th- then then what? Well, a couple of days before that appointment, I'd done more research um, because I was convinced that's what it was. Um, so I knew some questions to ask the doctor. I brought something to write down things and ask him about medications, all of that stuff. But I just remember shaking. Um, we were just in shock shock and then going through all those stages of grief and um, panic. Um, and then I people always talk about waking nightmare. And I never understood that. But I just remember not being able to sleep. But then I slept. And then I woke up thinking, okay, back to our normal life. But it wasn't. It was a true waking nightmare. And I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And, and so... Um... Scott, once once you were diagnosed, what was the learning process like for you? Because I'm sure you want to educate yourself and try to find out as much as you can. What was what was that process like once you found out that you did have ALS? It's been an ongoing, always evolving process. Unfortunately, I've progressed quickly. So just when I adapt to one disability, the rug gets pulled out from underneath me. The latest challenge has been learning to type and talk with my eyes on this machine. Fortunately, Jamie has kept me one step ahead of this disease in regards to equipment and care. She's my white knight. Clearly, he's 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 doing great with this. And let me and I'll just since he brought that up, I and I have to mention this. Um, Lloyd, I hate even bringing this up, but it's this is this I think this will uh, illuminate uh, how awesome you are. Uh, You know, my uncle, uh, my uncle was married at the time he was diagnosed, and then there was a point where his wife decided it was too hard for her and. She's gone, you know, mm-hmm. and so it was my grandparents and my mother, my, uh, you know, God rest her soul and me. And and we basically turned my grandparents living room and that's where there's a hospital room. That's where that's mm-hmm. where every, that's where he was, you know, and yeah. that, and and that was it. And and we were going to take care of him. And, and I still think about my grandparents and my mom uh in, in, in like, like again, like I mentioned with Steve, we were like almost like superheroes mm-hmm. for what they did above and beyond even their physical capabilities to care for my uncle. And like you mentioned, uh, you, you you get frustrated, and it's a, it's it's a it's a family disease because it affects Absolutely. everyone. And and um, I cannot tell you how much respect I have for you, as he described you as as his white knight for everything that you do, because not everyone takes on that challenge, meets that challenge and does everything. And so, I mean, I just, I have all the admiration and respect of the world for you. You're awesome. Thank you. And it's just, that's all. I just wanted to say that because people I don't, that. people don't understand. They just don't get right. it. But you agree when I say it's, it's a family disease because yes. everyone, everyone is, is part of this. Yes. Yes. That's, it. that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. Scott's in on this thing. Yeah, I think, and And I try to be a voice for caregivers a lot because oftentimes we're in the shadows because I think people think because we're not the ones dying, we're not struggling. And that is so not the case at all. Watching someone you love uh, go through this disease is so painful. Um, And it's, as you know, with you, it's going to be with you your entire life. It is that horrific and hard. Um, but when you really love someone, and I really love Scott, um, you don't really question it. You just do it. And 
because you'd want the same done for you. I mean, it's hard because we have two little kids, a one and three year old that need my attention. So we did have to hire someone to help Scott um, so I could raise the kids. But it's still, yeah, everyone in our family is helping. So it's that's 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 incredible. And and that kind of support. I mean, you know, I mean, what what a way to describe her, your white knight and everything that that she does. And I'm glad someone needs to 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 speak on behalf of caregivers. Yeah. And that that is that is hugely important. Um, So there's there's another thing that that Scott wanted you to answer. And I wanted to ask you about uh, the clinical trial Mm. that because this is so then we get into the, the people that are still battling ALS and and trying to support wonderful people like like you and Scott and and trying to raise money and trying to raise awareness there gets to be frustration too what does George Brett always say and Tom Watson every year at the golf tournament I hope that this is the last damn golf tournament I hope that we don't have to be here and so we can have a parade and and we can celebrate finding a cure but this, you know, year after year, it gets frustrating, and then you hear about breakthroughs, and then you hear, well, this isn't going to happen because of this, or bureaucracy, or right. red tape, it, it pisses you off, right? Yep. And so maybe tell me from that that standpoint about uh, you know entering a clinical trial or trying to get access for Scott to 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 medicines or therapies that could actually help him, but it's it's so much easier said than done. Yep. Well, here's where um, I have a lot to say. So, say it. Um, you know, years ago, there were no clinical research trials for ALS. We're at a turning point in this disease. There are tons of clinical trials for ALS, which is so exciting. Um, but the thing is, is that, first of all, it's hard to get into a clinical trial. They only they tend to only take people that have only been diagnosed uh, two years well, if it takes you a year to get diagnosed, that's a check against you. Like, And then um, also, if you've progressed too far, you can't get into a clinical trial. Um, so a lot of people are excluded. Um, the ALS community is trying to fight for something called expanded access. So th- this is so people can get drugs in trials when they don't qualify for trials. And there, like you said, there is so much red tape. Um, and it's all... I mean, there's a lot of people at fault here, but um, I would say the FDA, government, pharmaceutical companies are all playing a part in this. And in government, nothing works really fast. And ALS, we need people to work fast. Yesterday. Yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah, Scott, the first thing we did was research clinical trials because another thing is, is that a lot of doctors, they just kind of help you treat the symptoms but aren't well-versed in all the trials. So we had to do a lot of research ourselves. um, And we fought and fought and fought to get into different research trials. We got him into one that they were only taking 60 people worldwide. Um, We went to Boston. We went to Mass General, the best ALS clinic in the country, um, and saw the best neurologist in the country. And she told us to go for this trial. It's the most promising one. The problem is, too, is that there's placebos in trials, meaning you could go into the trial, but that doesn't mean you get the drug. Um, so you take that risk. So he was flying out to Boston um, several times a month and then monthly to have injections in his spine. And then they would also draw fluid from his spine. Um, and it took a toll on him. Um, and it was a big sacrifice, but that's what we were willing to do to take a chance to save his life. And so many other people with ALS do the same. But we're also not doing it for him. We're doing it for all the people diagnosed with ALS down the years because we need people in these trials to find the cure. And it's going to take people like Scott sacrificing his life and his body to help that happen. So, And, and, and how much of a toll is this, something like this financially? Uh, a lot. <laughs> A lot. Um, not only does it cost a lot to manage this disease because insurance doesn't cover everything. Which uh, is ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then on top of just maintaining Scott, he has his business, but we took a big hit with him not being able to actually train people. Um, and we have a huge community behind us that's raised a lot of money for us. And it's taken one thing off our plate, and we are so grateful, but we are not the norm. Um, 
so many people with ALS can't afford to do clinical trials because they don't pay. Um, most of them don't pay for you to go to these places to get the drug. They don't pay for lodging, anything like that. And um, they call it the bankruptcy disease. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot of uphill battle when it comes to ALS. And, and, and so now with, with the clinical trial, how long did that last? Where, where... So that lasted six months. Okay. Um, and I will say another sacrifice. He, the first month, he had to go out there three times in one month. That also happened to be the time that Hope was born. So he missed out on the first month of Hope's life to do this. Um, and then after, by October, they ended it. We went with this trial also because it was a big company that said, um, okay, if this drug might be working, we will offer you this drug until the FDA says it's approved. So years. Um, and you won't get placebo. You'll get the drug. Again, because of the FDA, um, that got put on hold when he was done with the trial. So he didn't get access to the real drug up until a couple months ago to where he's progressed to this point. So we don't know now if this drug will help him when he's this far progressed. Um, most ALS drugs tend to, they sh are shown to be working when it's used early in the disease. But now we don't know if this will help or not, but we're going to keep doing it. Um, and, how, and, and what, and what can you, can you describe? What is it? How is it? So, like what kind of drug it is? Yeah, yes. Um, there is one drug uh, called Tofersen, um, and it's used for a specific genetic kind of ALS. And it's called, an, they use something uh, called an ASO. So it's a genetic modifier. Um, and that's actually proved to stop the disease early in the process for people with that genetic kind. Well, okay. we found this other kind for sporadic. So sporadic means he doesn't have genetic ALS that we know of. Um, and it's the same technology. It's a genetic modifier, but it doesn't target the actual, because he doesn't have the gene, it targets a, a gene and then it helps alter another process like the TDP43 protein is what they call it. Um, so that might be too technical for everybody, but essentially it's a genetic uh, modifier um, and it's very, very new in technology and it's already shown to help people with ALS with um, a certain kind of genetic And that's ALS. what Scott is taking That's now. what he He's taking it. It's just a little different than the one that I was talking about, right. the Tofersen. So it's only been tested in mice before him and all of that showed promise, um, but he is the first human that they are testing this on. And so how is that administered? It's administered through his spine. Okay. So. And so then when, when, when how do you, how, how can you tell if it is working or if it's making a difference? Do they, will they have you back out in yeah. Boston to So now tests? we've transferred it to Wash U in okay. St. Louis. So now we're just driving oh, to St. Louis, which is a lot easier. Every, so what it takes is um, every month he gets this injection in his spine, and every month we go out there, they do that, and then they assess his muscles, um, his speech, to see if it's making a difference and take blood work, all of that. But ALS is so um, heterogeneous that every, it's different for everyone. So everyone's progression is different. So it's really hard to tell, okay, is this stopping or slowing? Um, so that's another barrier in these trials. Has there been anything, any indication that it might be working or helping? Or what do you have think, you noticed Scott? any difference whatsoever? No. <laughs> yeah, it's I will say he's still progressing, okay. um, but he's only been on it for a month. Um, and that's the other thing. We don't know if, if this takes time. Right. Um, so we're just trying to remain hopeful that eventually it'll kick in. Uh, but right now, we're not seeing a difference. Remain hopeful. Yes. Uh, second daughter named Hope. Yes. Why did you name her Hope? Well, because we decided once we got over the shock of ALS that we were going to be hopeful. Uh, we knew the chances of him surviving this were very small. Um, but with all the clinical research trials out there, we knew there could be a chance. Um, and that's just how we wanted to live life, is positive and hopeful and um, do whatever we can to save his life. So hope represented that to us. Um, and I always tell people she was our bright spot in a very dark time. Um, I'm so thankful for her. So, um, yeah. 
She that, literally gave you hope. Yes, she did. Okay, so let, let, let's let's take a moment here. You mentioned the, the business. You mentioned, uh, you know, friends raising money. Um, let's tell people that are out there listening that might want to help the cause or, uh, or whatever you have to plug yeah. here. Put it out there right now for people listening. I don't want to. I don't want to wait till the end. I want them to hear right now. Great. Um, so we, our friends, put together, created a website for Scott called FlexOnALS.com. Um, there you can find um, different things that he's posting. He's writing about what's happening to him, as well as links to um, donations to us. Um, donations to different ALS organizations and um, also links to learn more about ALS. So flex on ALS.com. And oh, Scott, you, you, you talk about this too. What, what, what is flex on ALS uh, in your words? Flex on ALS is a movement. I started to raise both money and awareness to help us fight ALS. Basically it's a social media challenge. I issued to my Kansas city fitness friends that went viral and raised $60,000 for the organization. I am ALS. We do it every ALS awareness month, which is in May, but you can still do it if you'd like. In fact, I demand a Stephen St. John flex, Jamie, tell him how I, I was glad that <laughs> for, so for the last of the first challenge, I got uh, now a 19 year old son that spends, and you'll appreciate this being a uh, personal trainer. He uh, he goes to school, he works, he eats, and he works out, and then he works out again, and then plays video games. So he's always whenever I whenever I you know he does no in there, he's flexing in the mirror anyway. So I said, hey, I got my guy right here, and so we had him, you know, as me pointing to because I I got nothing, you know, but he's you know. He's the strong man of the house, and so he we got him posted for the Flex on ALS campaign, and so that's my that's my guy. And so, uh, tell me and tell people how they can get involved in this. If they want to flex on ALS. So um, we just asked for people to flex whatever muscle you want. Bicep is probably the easiest, and wherever you're flexing, write hashtag Flex on ALS on it, and then challenge other people to do the same. Um, and then you post it on social media. So everyone loves to, most people love to show off their muscles. Um, and so it's it's been successful. And, and we ask people to make donations to, I mean, whatever ALS organization you support. Um, we have been raising money for the organization IamALS.org. So you can go there and learn more. So the last time we got Sam Mellinger involved, yeah. like, uh, Nate Bucati. Nate had, uh, for some reason, sent in several shirtless pictures, which most of those were declined. I said, Nate, that's enough. We don't need you to do that much. Uh, and so, uh, and, and then you mentioned the blog. Scott, tell me about your blog. My blog is basically a public journal of all my victories and losses against LS. It's pretty raw, which is hard for some people, but I don't care. LS is a fairly common disease that has remained in the shadows because its victims are paralyzed and die so quickly. I'm determined to be an LS storyteller. My goals are to empower others to share their own stories, educate and inspire those not impacted by LS, and write letters to my two young daughters for them to read in the future. Can I have Jamie read you guys a small selection? Absolutely. And I read, I read uh, a, a, you know, a few of the uh, a few of the posts, and we'll get into that. I read the last post about your battle with COVID, which is very powerful. And so please do uh, share a selection from uh, Scott's blog. Okay. Following the diagnosis, after a few days of making plans to die, both my wife and I were forced to evolve our thinking and accept this new reality. Our options were to either search for purpose and meaning in our new life or become consumed by sadness and anger over the loss of a dream we were never entitled to in the first place. Fortunately, I knew I wasn't likely to die tomorrow or the next day, so that meant I was going to have to find a way to live with this for a while. The human condition to survive is strong, and you can feel it take over when your life hangs in the balance. Again, there is no choice. It's biology. To help put things in perspective for me, I would often remind myself of how some people are taken both suddenly and seemingly arbitrarily from this earth. They don't get to have all their favorite people from the entirety of their lives come rushing back to their side to spend time with them, to have conversations more genuine, loving, vulnerable, and necessary than any previously. They don't get the opportunity to see how everyone they merely come into contact with feels a whole new level of gratitude they've never felt before, to make the world a better place just by being alive. They don't get the cloud cover to suddenly become the man or woman they were always meant to be, but never had the courage. 
the shackles of man made expectation fall away when you realize your time on earth is very much finite. And most importantly, those who are already gone don't get that one last chance to soak it all in, knowing wholeheartedly just how precious every moment is when it may be your last. But I get to have all of that and more, and for that I am thankful. A silver lining can be found in every story that has the luxury of not yet being fully, fully written. So first of all, you're a great writer. Were you, did you write a lot before this blog? Because you, I mean, he, you, you really, and, that's, and I'm not just saying that because I'm, I'm an English major and I'm not as, uh, you're a better writer than I am. And that's a gift to be able to express yourself like that. And again, I apologize, but I think back to my uncle again, that was one of his biggest frustrations because he didn't have a platform, a way to express himself. And he was still, he still had that same so he'd want me to come over there and watch movies with him. And he'd, he'd have my grandparents, he, you know, you got to go upstairs. We're watching this. And we'd, you know, or, or he loved stand-up comedy. And he'd, he still had that same sense of humor and, and he'd laugh. And he just, he would get so frustrated because he wanted to say something. He wanted to express himself. And he didn't have that outlet like you have. And you're such a beautiful writer. And you have a way of describing these things. And that, that's not to be taken for granted because that is um again so powerful and all of the blogs and all the posts are extremely powerful and, and what a way to be able to express the things that he needs to that he wants to to raise awareness about ALS right I mean and yes it's, it's it's incredible yes he's through his writing um he has gotten a lot of followers and people have learned a lot about ALS and he's given a voice to people with ALS as well that um, that maybe don't have the ability to write the way he does. Um, I'm very proud of him. Um, I always knew he was a good writer, but um, I always thought he had a future in it, just not in this way. <laughs> but yeah, he's very talented. Very well, I'm supposed proud. to write a, a, a blog about uh, about the Chiefs coming up. And how, how do you feel about being a ghostwriter? <laughs> maybe and I'll, hey, I'll, I'll put uh, but uh, as told. Is Stephen and Scott. I'll give you full credit on the byline, but I mean, just incredible. And I mentioned that last post about your battle with COVID. Um, it it was so powerful, and about how you know you kept just repeating to yourself uh, your your daughter's names and your wife's name. You're gonna be just over and over again. Can can you tell me as if you didn't have enough to deal with? <laughs> Then this battle with COVID. Yeah. Take take us through that because and I encourage people to go tell people where they can go to read the blog. Flexonals.com. Please go and read this. And especially this last um, this last blog was, was so powerful. It's something that we can all identify with. People, their lives have been impacted by COVID at so many different levels, but but here you are already having to battle ALS, Scott, and then and then here's COVID. So what what happened here? Um it was awful. I, we went two and a half years staying away from COVID. We didn't, we were lucky enough to not be touched by it, but it found us. And, um, I know now not everyone thinks that COVID is, will put them in the hospital, but for someone with ALS, it absolutely will because his breathing is compromised. Um, and it was really scary. I, I really thought this was it. I thought this is how it's going to end. And I was, we, I was devastated, um, and he turned it around. Uh, yeah, it, doctors were talking to us about end-of-life decisions, and um, after 10 days, he made it out of the hospital. So uh, very lucky, very lucky. And, and, and again, like you said, uh, COVID can, is, is for, for, for Scott, I mean, he's already battling so many things. Um, it, it, COVID is even more serious, right? right? And all the different things. And you know, and you're there, and so you have an ally, and she understands because of your line of work, you 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 have a better understanding, and you're there, and you 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 were able to help him through that, right? Yes, I um, I consider myself his advocate as well when uh, we're speaking to doctors and and different uh, medical staff. It's interesting when you work in healthcare and and you're at a hospital, the staff treats you a little differently because they know that uh, you know what's going on and, and what you're talking about. So um, we none of me, his dad and mom did not leave his side while he was there. And we made sure he got the very best care and advocated for him. And, and, and again, I'm looking at uh, get flex on ALS dot com. And, and, and the thing that that really struck me 
is is what you were doing to to try to get yourself through this and you in your head you kept repeating one name per exhale as you were you know trying to take you said i started taking shallow you know ones whilst simultaneously repeating in my head one name per exhale iris hope jamie scott iris hope jamie scott and, and then the other thing that stood out to me is you know you're, you're talking about you know the people that are working there and you're hearing them complain about their day or mm-hmm. complain about how hot, how hot it is and i know you got to be thinking <laughs> really right mm-hmm. and you and so that's for as an advocate you know you have to be if you're there like okay what are we what yeah. are we complaining about here really yeah on the ride over to the icu um which is where people were kind of nonchalantly talking about their lives in front of him we were not allowed to be with him at that point so i probably would have shut that down right. <laughs> oh, boy i bet you would have right <laughs> But as a healthcare worker, I also understand we um, have to have this, we have to almost put a wall up sometimes. And um, I, I understand what they were doing and, and probably trying to stay calm for his sake, but at the same time, complaining about your life while he's struggling to breathe, eh, you know, I don't know if I agree with that. So, I mean, and you, even now, you do. You do so much with your blog and advocacy and everything else more than more than most people do that are healthy and that, that aren't battling ALS. And so you still have a tremendous impact in so many different ways. And another impact, and I was going to cut this cut this short because as a Mizzou fan, I don't know if we need to hear this, but that's fine because I do know that it was a huge moment for so many people in this town and in Lawrence and uh, any any Kansas fan or Kansas grad. So you played a part in this in Kansas winning a national championship. And so tell me, tell me what happened here with the Kansas basketball team. So I met the team in the locker room back in the regular season on March 3rd, we played TCU in a game. We won to snap a two game losing streak. Coach gave the guys a speech about my fight with ALS next. Every single player came forward to introduce themselves and meet me. I sensed something special about that night and those players. Now, I'm not saying I had some sort of impact, but I will say that that team never lost again 11 straight wins. Well, I'll say it. And that they were coming off that loss to TCU where they had, they had to play at TCU in the home against TCU, and that was a tough game too at home. And I remember because my co-host Nate always thinks that oh no now they're not they're gonna you know be one and done in the tournament he's always you know you know on on the on the on the dark side of the uh, outlook for Kansas basketball but that was a big moment in the season and a turning point and so uh, Jamie I gotta imagine uh, you know watching the tournament from that point on after after you had the opportunity to to you know be with Coach Self and all the players introducing themselves to you that has to provide such a connection with that basketball team. How was it to, to watch them march through March and ultimately win? <laughs> after he goes and gives the speech, he, I mean, because he can take credit for that. I don't yeah. care. That, that, that's, that's, that's real. Yeah. And so he, he leads them to a national championship. That's, yeah. that's a that's storybook ending. Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm a Mizzou grad, so, oh. yeah. Yeah. That right. was uh, uh, Scott's shaking his head now, so don't <laughs> yeah. don't do that. Stop that. All right. But Scott grew up in Lawrence. Went to his dad has uh, you know season tickets, and they went to all the basketball games. By the way, she really does love him. <laughs> she's an MU grad, and she sees a picture of a shirtless Kansas guy. Like I love him. So this is this is truly a love story here. Yeah. And so, you, but you were, I so that you, I had to admit I. I had to admit that that was a pretty cool thing for Bill Self to do uh, for him and the players to do for him, even though I really hate KU so much. <laughs> but And even so, the national championship. By the way, Scott's been smiling this entire – until now he just frowned. He, he's got very angry. I can see that. I actually watched the game because it was cool to have that connection and also – so cool to see how excited okay. he was. Scott's, so. Scott's right here, and he knows if you're telling the truth, you got to be honest. In that national championship game, were you like, all right, let's go, Kansas, let's win this one? Or were you like, mm. I was you've kinda, gone far enough. I was, I was in between. Yeah. I, but I also wore a Jayhawk shirt for the first time in my life. How did it feel? Um, awful. Right. And when they were losing, his friends were over and they were like, 
this is you. This is your fault. Get out of that shirt. <laughs> so I, I put on my Mizzou shirt and then they turned the game around and won. Right. So I know we're saying that, you know, Scott, like, helped them win the national championship. But it was really Mizzou and me that helped them win the national championship. Is that fair that Jamie takes credit for the national championship? Do you still believe that? Uh, still no. That? No. Well, <laughs> we're going to have to agree to disagree about this right here. But they may be both. And so I am. Um, that that First of all, I, all these things that, she, that we've talked about that she does for you, for her to put on a Kansas shirt, that is... My, that's maybe the biggest example of true love I've, I've heard yet in this thing. But then she said, no, that's enough. And then, of course, you put the Missouri shirt and then everything goes south for us. Right, right? exactly. Okay, that's so, how Mizzou works. Okay. So, uh, okay, so then, so um, another question that Scott wanted, wanted, wanted you to answer, and I do think this is very important. What would you say, and that's kind of a broad question, but what would you say is the biggest misconception about ALS from, from the outside, the people that don't understand it, that hear about the Ice Bucket Challenge or Lou Gehrig's uh, Lou Gehrig Day or Lou Gehrig's disease, and maybe they hear they, and they don't they don't just quite understand that you wish people would understand. I think the biggest thing is is that this is not an uncommon rare disease. Um, the numbers it looks like that, but really your lifetime chance of getting ALS is one in three hundred. That's like one person from your high school graduating class getting ALS in their lifetime. It's diagnosed as frequently as multiple sclerosis, MS. Um, the thing is, is that there's just not as many people living with ALS because you get diagnosed and you die quickly. So it you think it's rare, but it's really not. And since Scott has been diagnosed, I can't tell you how many people are like, oh, yeah, right. my uncle had that. My dad had that. His primary care doctor that di that um, assessed him, turns out his dad died from ALS. So it's everywhere. And, and a lot of people, I think, look at our story or Steve Gleason's story, whatever, and say, wow, that's really inspiring. But thank God it's not me and kind of walk away. But, and we did that too. And it hit us. Um, so I want people to actually realize that this could happen to them or someone they love. And I want them to join our fight in ending it. So. And it just, just look at, at, Kansas, at, at Kansas City Sports, right? Three of the biggest names ever. George Brett, Tom Watson, Joe McGuff. All impacted heavily by ALS, right? That, that should show you right there. Yeah. Um, and, and then, like like you said, I had that experience that find, people find out, you know, my uncle battled ALS, and then they know someone, and they know somebody or someone in their family, and it's not rare. And I hear that a lot. You're right. Like, oh, it's, you know, that's very rare. It's, no, it's not as rare as you think. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm glad that you said that. Scott, What what is the most important thing that you want people to know about your battle with ALS? To those with ALS, I would want them to know that there is life after the diagnosis. I found a new purpose in educating and inspiring others through my writing, and I still have happy moments with my family. To those who are lucky enough to not have ALS, I would want them to know how amazing your life is. You have no idea what I would do to eat, walk, talk, sing, kiss, hug, or hold one of my daughters in my arms. And, and what can people do in the fight against ALS? We talked about you know, helping people gain access to the drugs or the medicines or the therapeutics that can help them. What what can people do if they're listening to, to try to help uh, wonderful people like you? Follow me on social media, read and share my story. If more people knew how widespread and horrifying this disease was, it wouldn't be so damn hard raising money for research or putting pressure on our regulatory agencies. Let's get the, the, the uh, Twitter account at... Scott fights ALS at Scott fights ALS and, and Jamie again, run through everything we need to know about following Scott's story, helping out with raising money, awareness or whatever people need to know about continuing to monitor the story that you, uh, that you've been telling us today. Um, Yes, following Scott is important to just learning about ALS, learning um, how we can fight ALS together. Um, there has been a push through the ALS community to pass um, different laws to help us get access to drugs. So one recently was called Act for ALS. We met with Kansas senators and asked for them to sign off on this bill, um, and it passed this year. And there's another one called the Promising Pathways Act, 
which also um, would help people get access to drugs. So this one uh, will be the next one that we try to push through. So when you see Scott talking about it, um, and um, it would be something great if people could write to their local senators um, and representatives to tell them how important ALS is. We need access to these drugs. Remove the red tape. Um, we need people to get angry with us and fight the institution with us. And in in Body Smith Personal Training, yes, is that off the plaza. Yeah. Can, well, yeah, it's like Westport Plaza okay, area. So can, is if someone's out there, so well, I need a trainer. Mm-hmm. Can is there any openings there? Can people how would can people try to get in there? Or? Well, um, yes and no. So their his trainers are actually really busy right now. Um, but Body Smith. Um, kc.com is the website where they can sign up for a consultation there we um, go. and Scott will communicate via email with anyone that would like to train and then find a trainer to set them up with. So if a trainer does have an opening, um, we're also looking for personal trainers. Oh. Um, so if anyone needs a job, that's a personal trainer that would like to work for Scott. He's an amazing, amazing boss um, and someone to work for. So uh, yeah. reach out to us. A young, fresh faced Phil St. John who uh, goes to you <laughs> yeah. and Casey, who knows? And he's got a mustache now. So he's very, <laughs> I don't know. He'll fit right in. Right. But he, he saw Top Gun and that oh, mustache yeah. is coming back and that, not for everyone, but you know, <laughs> uh, it's, if you don't mind, tell me, tell me about your daughters. Oh, um, so Iris is she I think she's a lot like Scott, uh, very creative, uh, very outgoing, um, also very stubborn and uh, has a lot of opinions, the typical toddler. So she's wonderful and so smart. And I love her. We love her. Hope is just so sweet. I say that she just knew exactly what I needed, we needed. She's been the perfect baby and so happy and easy. So, Is there anyone else you'd like to thank or mention uh, on this podcast? Because a lot of people get to hear this. or I know there's so many people. You don't want yeah. to leave anyone out, but I also <laughs> want to give you the opportunity. Is there anyone else that you'd like to, to mention or, or just uh, that's shout a, out to? That's a great uh, question. So... I think the people that have been so amazing with us have been, first of all, both of our parents. Our parents have supported us um, so much with our kids and with Scott. And then our friends and um, family have been incredible. Um, are, are you thinking of someone, Scott? Oh, he's got it. He's, yeah. he's Yeah, you can see how he's typing. Either that that or he's saying something bad about Mizzou, which we're going (laughs) to, we'll we'll, we'll cut that right out of this podcast. So that's what it is. Um, Because it takes friends and family. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I mean, really, like you said, it's it's a family disease. And we would not be here today if we didn't have the support that we did. And and also people like you um, and George Brett and Tom Watson, I mean, thank you. God, we have someone, people speaking to the public that have big followings about this because this is the only way we're going to cure this disease if people like you and and George and everybody are speaking out. And I know those two won't stop, and I sure won't stop. And I'm hoping that uh, that this isn't your only appearance on the podcast because I like to have – I have good guests. I like to have them come back. And so if if you guys will agree, I'd love to have you back on to update us on the story – and everything else and i, I you know and one of the cool things like i could just feel how much you guys love each other right it's it's are you it's, sure it's about that because well, when we walked in i'm sure you well, were that, questioning but, no, but that's love see <laughs> yeah. that's love right and so the, I, i'm gonna sky you can answer this and i'm not trying to to start a fight here it's just in, in, inquiring minds want to know so next basketball season <laughs> i know kansas is playing at mizzou and so if you're going to watch this thing, you got these beautiful little girls. Will you dress them up mm. in Kansas Jayhawk gear or will you dress them up in Mizzou gear or will one be Kansas, one be Mizzou? I'm not, I'm, trust me, I'm not trying to start anything, but I, I would like to know. Are they, are they being raised? Are they, are they, because, hey, it's a national championship. You know what? You root for Kansas. You know, hey, Mizzou's in hard times. They need you. Yeah. They need some more fans. So how do we handle this here? I just want to know. Because I think a lot of our listeners would like to hear how this, because this is tough. 
I just want to point out, Scott needs me to take him home. Right. So he right, should Scott. be careful with how he answers this. He looks, he, he's laser focused. In this they thing. like Jayhawks. <laughs> they, they like to, do they? Do they like to, you know? I, I mean, mean, his parents are brainwashing them. Uh, um, you blaming the parents yeah. now. All of a sudden, wait a minute. Five minutes ago, you were thanking the parents, and now we're blaming the parents. The parents are like, what do we do? All right? So they're brainwashed. That's yes. fine. That's yes. what they're supposed to do. I know, but it's been... It's been hard. I, I will say that Iris does enjoy the Jayhawks, but tell Iris Missouri needs this win more than Kansas. They have I a know. championship. We just want. I know. A Give win. us something, That's right? Anything, yeah. Right. <laughs> we need it, Iris. When you Iris, when you watch, please, Iris, root for Missouri this one time. All right? It's a favor <laughs> to your friend here. Okay. I cannot thank you guys enough for coming in here, and I hope that um, I hope people listen to this and understand what we're talking about when we say we need to increase awareness, we need to raise money, and we need to continue to fight and battle because that's the only way this is going to get this done, right? Absolutely. And that's it. And man, Thank you, man. Oh, you, you know, and, and Scott, you're so I, I have so much admiration for you. You're a stud, man. And I haven't seen a shirtless picture. I mean, I can say that. Although I look, I mean, I, she shows me. I'll say, hey, let, yeah, let's see that. But uh, I hope you know the type of impact you're making, not only for other people that are battling ALS, but people that are going to battle ALS and the families and, and everyone involved. You, you, what you do is awesome. And, and, it's, you know, and you're, you're a warrior. You're, you're taking the battle to ALS. You know, it's... Thank you. Yeah. So thank you both so much. Thank you for having us. And I and so then we'll share this on YouTube. We'll uh, and next time you can wear Mizzou gear. That's I, I won't okay. you know stop you from that. And then uh, you can listen to this if you're watching on YouTube. Then you want to hear it in the car, Spotify, Apple, wherever you download your favorite podcast. Uh, for Scott and for Jamie, thank you so much for give that website again because I want to flexonals.com. That's right. When we want to see those pictures, hashtag flexonals. We want to see those muscles out there flexing to support Scott. And he's a personal trainer. He knows. He can tell if you've been training. So you better be ready. Uh, for Scott and for Jamie, uh, my name is Stephen St. John. Thank you for listening. Until next week. The microphone is off.